With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Cheeseheads. Cheeseheads. Get on your feet. It's Curd and Law. Hosted by Sparky Pfeiffer and Ryan Horvath. Hey, it's the Sparky Pfeiffer, Curd and Long. Follow me on Twitter at Sparky Radio. Ryan Horvath is off. Uh, he will be back next week. And then no more off days, I don't believe, for Ryan Horvath as we are now into football season. Ryan Wood is here filling in, doing a great job with the Green Bay Press Gazette. You can follow him on Twitter at ByRyanWood. And obviously, we're talking about training camp. And I want to talk about this new podcast I just discovered with Jordan Rodriguez called play callers. But before we get to both of those things, because Ryan Horvath's my guy, right? And uh, Ryan Wood, I should say, is my guy. And him and I text from time to time. uh, And I text him pictures from time to time of certain things in my house. Uh, And Ryan Wood, I've got some breaking news, buddy. We are Uh, redoing... How many Christmas trees we up to? Oh, hold on. That's that's what I was going to tell you. We're redoing our basement and kind of really cleaning it out, moving stuff around, changing things. The whole deal. And uh, it looks like as of today, when we counted of how this could go, I think we're going to go from two to four trees uh, in our basement uh, at some point here. We've made enough room to where I think we can have four corners yeah. you know, with a tree kind of in each corner. I, I think we've figured out a way to add two more trees to the mix. Yeah, you're like the Dean Smith of Wisconsin basements. You're on the, the yes. four corner Christmas tree. Uh, <laughs> that's very on par for you. Yeah, so we got four corners in the living room, and then the fifth, the pink one. Uh, but now we're—I think we'll be able to have four corners uh, in the basement too. So we're just—I'm trying to get to twenty. I think, I think I've set the goal of trying to figure out how to get twenty Christmas trees in the place, and we'll see if I can get there at some point. All right, so let's get First to some football all, stuff. That's yeah. wonderful symmetry. Secondly, you didn't—you didn't answer the question. How, how many trees are you up to? I think last year sure. we were at. 14, I think we were at. Okay. I think we were at so 14 trees last year. So I think we can get to 16 or 17 maybe this year, depending on how we play it. Well, I'd say I'm proud of you, Sparky, but you know how I feel about copious amounts of Christmas trees. I want you are coming to my house this year and you are going to experience <laughs> it. You're going to sit in the Christmas, you're going to sit in the Christmas magic and be like, damn, this is pretty cool. Like you're crazy, <laughs> but this this is kind of cool. Everybody says that they come and once they sit in, like, this is pretty sweet. Uh, okay, so let's talk about uh, this podcast, Play Callers, before we get to the training camp stuff, obviously, because Ryan Wood is there every day and can tell us all about what he's seeing. But I was listening to this podcast, Play Callers. I've never heard of it, whatever, just stumbled upon it. And Jordan Rodriguez, who she's very, very good. And it's all about McVeigh and Shanahan and that whole tree. And you don't realize how many of their people that have been influenced by them are really on every team across the league. Like every team has somebody seemingly on their offensive staff that has been attached or coached under 
Shanahan or Ryan, uh, uh, Ryan Wood, yeah, or Sean McVay at this point. And then LaFleur, for the Packers, you have Art Smith, uh, the head coach with the Falcons, Nathaniel Hackett, which he may not want to own up to now at this point anyhow, but you still have to attach him to, to Matt LaFleur and Hackett and the job that he's done with play calling. So he's got his own little tree growing uh, as well. When they hired Matt LaFleur, a lot of us didn't really know much. His offense wasn't that good in Tennessee. If you remember that that year, they were like 26th or something like that coming from Tennessee. Uh, and it was a big unknown. Murphy, oh, I'm sold on him. Like, like This is my guy. Da, 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 da. Okay, fine. We'll see. Rodgers obviously didn't know anything about him. I don't think either had to be sold on him. What have you learned about Matt LaFleur, uh, the coach, the dude, since they brought him in that first day when you first had that introductory press conference to kind of where you are now with Matt LaFleur and kind of maybe how he's changed and progressed along the way. Well, I guess the first thing I should say is that we're about to learn a whole lot more about Matt LaFleur than we knew in the first four seasons, because this is his offense now, right? And he's couched it as it's not that much different than before. It's still – being a quarterback friendly, which is what it was with Aaron Rodgers. It's going to be with Jordan Love. But it was it, it was way more of a collaboration with Aaron Rodgers and his whatever it was, 13 years of experience in the NFL, bringing that institutionalized knowledge and and molding that into a collaboration than it's going to be now. I mean, th- this is Matt LaFleur's handpicked guy in Jordan Love. He's the guy that he's been able to groom for three years to his playbook specifications we're about to learn a whole lot more about Matt LaFleur, but as far as him as a coach and what we've seen so far, he's a really energetic guy. He's very hands-on in practice uh, all over the place. He's a guy I think players genuinely like a lot because he brings that energy every day. Uh, He's gotten so much more comfortable in what is an underrated, but still pretty important part of his job, which is being the public face of the Green Bay Packers. You're the head coach. You talk to the media more than anybody in in the building. It's every day during the season. And he's got, you know, you go back to his introductory press conference. I remember a couple of years ago talking to him about it. Deer in headlights. It, it was he. It was new because he'd never done that before. He'd always right. been an assistant and then a coordinator. Well, he did it a lot better than Nick Sirianni did at his introductory press conference. That I do know for sure. He's got a lot more comfortable there. So, you know, as far as a personality, he's got a personality that, that would lend itself to being a player's coach. He very much believes in not pushing his players too hard. He, he, he's very mindful of attrition during the season. That's why we, you know, training camp practices are not what they used to be in Green Bay or really around the NFL with the new CBA, but especially in Green Bay. He's very mindful of that. A new wrinkle this year is, and this is something I asked him, Love he it. said he, he brings back from, from his days with, Arthur Smith and, and, and the Atlanta Falcons, but he's he's having a competition period in practice where whoever wins or loses that whoever loses that day, the offense or defense has to do a punishment, a calisthenic punishment that is determined by the other side. So if the offense loses and it's lo- it lost the first six practices and finally won the seventh, if the offense loses, the defense says okay, twenty push ups or ten up downs. We hadn't seen that in the first three years that, that that's something that's very new so uh he's a guy that's adaptable he, he he will learn as he goes along and he'll add new things he's not afraid of adding new things to the mix um so the, he, he's not he's not rigid which is probably a good thing for a head coach because as you know from year one to where he is now 
there's a lot more information that he has. Now, how will he use that? How will he employ that now that this is really his offense fully? That, that's going to be fascinating to see. This is the great thing. So they interview LaFleur in this play callers thing, and she talks about the fact that she went to Green Bay to do this podcast and interview him about all this different stuff. And on his desk, I've never been in the man's office, but on his desk, he's got two full curved, huge like computer screens. And then he's got the projection like wall screen or whatever he's got up on his wall uh, as well. And I, he let her, I guess, or she could see from the other side of the desk. I'm not sure how it all played out, but she could see that on the screens, he had cutups of the Niners, the Dolphins, the Chiefs, all these different offenses right there. And then he could play them up there and look at different play concepts and everything else. And he, he pretty much just said, hey, man, I'm not against stealing. Like, I'm not holier than thou. If I see something that works for somebody else, I'll put it in and I'll use it. And I draw inspiration from everybody else's offenses and what they do well. And I thought that was a pretty cool way of kind of letting us in a little bit on Matt LaFleur. Maybe McCarthy had the same thing when he was in Green Bay. I don't know. But it kind of gives you an idea of these younger coaches just always in it, no matter what is going on. Because now I can envision myself in the offseason, him just kind of going through everybody's seasons last year, kind of looking at different play schemes and stuff like that, that he could make work with Luke Musgrave. You know, before he didn't have a Luke Musgrave with his blazing speed at tight end that he had to worry about. Maybe that's where the Kansas City Chiefs offense and what they do with Kelsey maybe comes in with what he wants to do with Musgrave. Who knows? I like that, though, because that means he's not going to get stale. He's not going to get set in his ways and refuse to change. He's constantly going to be trying to change things up. That's the epitome of what we always say, which is that the NFL is a copycat league. I think every coach, to some extent, is wired that way. And is all, And Matt LaFleur has said before that he is very open to stealing what works. And he, he's very in tune with what is being run around the league, especially from an offensive side, because that's the side of the ball that he came up in and, and still controls. He'll he'll steal anything, and that's I, I don't think that's unique to him. I think that's how coaches in this league operate. Because again, it's a copycat league. But uh, you know, when he's when when he has uh, de- developmental projects, some are are self scout. Some some are literally scouting what he what, what his team does. How if they were going to draw a game plan against his own team, how would they do that? What are the strengths? What are the weaknesses? And some are what what are teams around the league running what what are what's the new innovations around the league from an offensive defensive schematic standpoint he's very in tune with that stuff why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them with royal caribbean you don't just go to the beach you visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in north america you don't just go for a road trip you atv and zip line through the jungle You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I want to talk about what I thought you were going to say before about what he 
is doing this year that he really hasn't done in the past. The competition period, obviously, is one of them. The other thing that he's doing is we're tackling and hitting. Uh, and you had that yesterday. That seems early to me to be doing that type of stuff. But he did it yesterday. And then I heard him on Sirius XM radio doing an interview with those guys. And he said, we're scrimmaging at family night. It's happening. Like there's going to be tackling to the ground and the whole deal. We're doing that. And they lost their minds. They went crazy. They're like, really? We're bringing it back? And he's like, yeah, this is a different team. And as he pointed out in that interview, it's like, we got a bunch of dudes. We got to figure out what they are in that whole deal. And it's different when you've got a veteran squad, you know what everybody's going to do in the regular season. You know everybody's strengths and weaknesses, what everybody does. But when you got an offense that you have question marks across the board on, especially with wide receiver and tight end, it makes sense. And as a fan, now I got a real reason to watch Family Night on Saturday night on TV uh, or go to Family Night if a lot of you are going because that's the best part of Family Night is watching that aspect of it, Ryan. I think the two things are connected. I, I think the fact that you're seeing post-practice calisthenics punishment, which is something that really goes back to Lombardi days since we've right. seen. I mean, we've never seen that before. And the fact that you're seeing actual tackle early in camp, tackle periods, it goes back to having a younger roster. When you got a younger roster, when you're a young man in general, you, you, you can do a whole lot more things that you can't do as you get older, right? I don't even and, remember what that was like. I know, and I'm I'm getting there, Sparky. It's not it's not <laughs> something I'm fond of, but I literally. All right, so yesterday is the hottest practice of camp so far. It's one of the hottest yep. practices that you'll have. I was stretching out my back, just you know, mm-hmm. and a PR staffer was like about to have a panic, like, "Are are you okay?" Like, because it, it was pass out hot. And I just I, I I turned to him. I was like, "Yeah, man, I'm just old. Like, <laughs> yep. I just need to stretch out this back, you know." So. You know, when you get up there in age, you, you're not able to do all the things you can do when you're a younger person. And this is a young roster. And so, yeah, they can go out and tackle. They can go out. Is and, Aaron Rodgers doing jumping jacks and up downs if his offense loses? Is he going to agree to that? He didn't no in Green Bay either. <laughs> no chance. It's not happening. I mean, there's no way he could have done this stuff with Aaron Rodgers. Nope. And he knew it. He may have wanted to do it, but once he got to know Aaron, he was like, yeah, this ain't going to fly, dude. Because he said they did it in Atlanta. Well, they did it in Atlanta. That means he did it with Matt Ryan. They, they were doing this stuff with Matt Ryan, who also was not a bum quarterback. He was a really good quarterback back in his day. And it means he's had that the last four seasons. Yes. And he hasn't used it. Until now, and what 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 I just what we just talk about, Matt Lafleur is very adaptable. He's adapting to this younger roster. He's doing new things because he can, because the the roster is younger, and he's coaching not not in grand thematic ways, but he's in, in, in little intricate details. He's coaching differently. Ryan, what are the Green Bay Press Gazette joins us here on Curtin Long. Download it on your Odyssey app or wherever you download your favorite podcast ad. You can also catch us as we stream all of these live on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page, and then they live there forever. Uh, Ryan Horvath again back next week. Ryan, your thoughts on the Mark Murphy comments yesterday on a radio show uh, in Milwaukee talking about, you know, rooting for Aaron Rodgers, 65%. That's that's a big thing. Calling the Jets Green Bay East. LaFleur referenced them as, as Green Bay East as well in multiple interviews that I saw yesterday with LaFleur. Uh, do you like this outward stuff uh, coming from these two guys? I, I don't know if I like it or I don't like it. I can't seem to figure out if I like it or not. I feel like you're just poking the bear over there every time you do something like this, but whatever. We're not going to play him anyhow, I guess. Well, I think whether you like it or not, you just have to recognize it is what it is. 
Mark Murphy especially has a way of just calling things the way they are. And that's what he, that's what he said about the Jets' fortunes. The Packers, look, I think Matt LaFleur is very affectionate to a lot of people within the Jets organization. Obviously, yes. Robert Solid, he's his lifelong best friend, right? They were best men in each other's weddings. You've got uh, Nathaniel Hackett, who I think he is fond of. He, right after the trade, Matt LaFleur was very, very diligent, very careful to preserve his relationship with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he, he knows what's coming five years after Aaron Rodgers retires. He's going to have a front row seat in Canton. He's going to be there. Uh, his legacy is going to be tied to Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers, two, half his MVPs, two of his four MVPs came under Matt LaFleur's watch. I mean, Matt LaFleur was hired for two very different reasons. One, resurrect Aaron Rodgers, and two, lead the way into the next chapter. That's where he is now. He's on job two. You can't say he did a poor job with job number one. Aaron Rodgers resurrected under Matt LaFleur. He won half his MVPs, and the difference between two and four is a massive difference when it comes to For legacy. Sure. So Matt LaFleur is very affectionate to a lot of people with the Jets. I think it's genuine and authentic. But, of course, the, the Packers want two things from this Jets season. They want Aaron Rodgers to play 65% of snaps, and they want him to lose as many games as possible. Because right. if he hits that 65% threshold, it's a first-round pick, and if they lose, it is higher up in the order. And that, that's, that's not animosity. That's just logic. I don't care where the first round pick is. Just get the first round pick. I, I don't. There's a don't big difference between 26 and nine. There's a sure, huge but difference. that's not. I mean, that's not realistic. If they're at nine, he's not playing 65 percent of the snaps. There's no way that dude is not losing that many games with Garrett Wilson and Hall and probably Delvin Cook. Like that's just that's probably not going to happen. Okay, so let's move on. Let's talk about Jordan Love to this point of camp because he's the guy that's got the spotlight on him. I think, by the way, he's handled himself very well with the media. I think he's handled himself very well with the players and so forth. I, everybody obviously talks about they love Jordan Love and so forth. Okay, fine. How do you think he's done to this point? I'm going off of Twitter. So I, I'm reading these Twitter reports that everybody's doing play-by-play. By the way, Packers, y'all, I said this on the last podcast, y'all did the best job as far as really dissecting and giving us people that aren't at training camp, the best viewpoint of what actually is going on there. A lot of these other teams, because I follow several other team beat writers, uh, you don't get any of that. You get a big play. Uh, there's really nothing ever about punters or kickers or anything like that. That's completely ignored. Uh, and it's just not that much detail. And then, oh, here's my story. And then if you want to go read their story, and then you have to pay for it, obviously, then you can do it. I think you guys do a great job of that. Love seems to be on the money with the deep ball uh, at this point. I feel like that seems to be his strength. Uh, would you agree with that or no? I think his strength is uh, short to intermediate routes. That's really? the one area where he is always he is always keyed in. He's he's always locked in. He's much better on time than when he first came in here. He was very statuesque, statuesque and and really sluggish as he was as a rookie and as a second year player going through his progressions. You could tell that. It wasn't as crisp as it needed to be if you're going to start week to week. He's there now from a timing standpoint. Uh, that's not to say the deep ball is bad. I mean, he had a rough first day with the deep ball, throwing into the wind, uh, a lot of underthrows. Yep. He, he's made a handful of, of chunk yardage throws that you want from your starting quarterback. Now, the truth is, one week of camp – we, we don't know what, Aaron, what, what excuse me what Jordan Love's going to be once the games start. We we right. have no idea. It's it's an entirely different 
organism. Uh, when you can get hit for real and you don't have the red practice jersey on, the game changes. And we haven't really seen that from a week to week. So we won't really know until the games start. I've seen him make every single throw that you want a starting quarterback to make. He, he can make everything. The arm talent that made him a first-round pick is there. But that doesn't mean it will be consistent enough when the games start and you can get hit and it's, it's just different. It doesn't mean that he can feel a pocket the way that a starting quarterback needs to when you're not wearing that red jersey. It doesn't mean that once there's film on Jordan Love and opposing defenses are devising game plans every single week to stop you and take away your strengths, it doesn't mean that he'll be good. We don't know. It doesn't mean he'll be bad either. We just, we just don't know right now. But I, I do think that it's a good platform to be building off of that I've seen him make every throw, and, and there's no question that there's arm talent there. What about these design runs that I'm seeing uh, come across my timeline? I, having watched him in Green Bay, very statuesque, not really looking to run necessarily, and then I start seeing, okay, design run stopped, design run stopped, okay. Do we think these design runs are going to be a part of this offense? Do we think he's going to get three to five design runs to throughout the course of the game? Me personally, not a fan. You got all kinds of inexperience behind him. You don't have a vet, nothing like that behind him. Why put him at risk of possibly getting hurt by having design runs set up for him to, to go out there and do? I, I, I'm, I don't like it because I'm old, I guess. Um, it's different, I think, if it's Richardson – uh, in Indianapolis, who is an incredible, superb athlete and built like a damn middle linebacker, uh, and he takes a hit, I feel, okay, I'm okay with that, and this is what he's done. I get that. Jordan Love doesn't seem to be the same to me from that perspective. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I don't think they'd be putting the RPOs into their installations if it wasn't going to be part of the offense. Now, how much we will have to find out. We, we don't know, but they're putting RPOs in. I imagine they're going to use them at least some to me, the, the, the most fascinating thing when it comes to the question of what kind of quarterback will Jordan love be, it's going to be how much does he stay in the pocket on schedule and how much does he get out of the pocket? And a lot of times with young quarterbacks, they have a tendency to sense pressure too soon and, and tuck too soon and, and, and leave the pocket before they need to. Jordan Love was rare because he was like the opposite of that when he came in. Like he, he never left the pocket the first right. couple of years. He was always in the pocket, which is good. That's what you want. But let's remember Jordan Love, he, he was, you know, what, what made Aaron Rodgers so special? The, the off schedule, the play extensions his mobility, his ability to, to get out of the pocket, make plays with his legs. Aaron Rodgers ran a 4.7140 before the combine. Jordan Love ran a 4.74. Their mobility, their speed is almost identical. How, how much is Jordan Love going to be comfortable when plays break down? Because they're going to break down. Even with a solid offensive line in front of them, that's playing quarterback in the NFL. Is It's not always going to be perfect. Football is not in a vacuum. The playbook is not always the way that the play is going to unfold on the field. When it diverts from that, how comfortable is he going to be still making plays? Because that's his job. Even if things go haywire, you still have to 
you got to avoid the mistakes, the turnovers, the sacks, and you've got to make something happen sometimes out of nothing. So much of his job is going to be that. I, I think it's it's a positive that he looks much more comfortable getting out of the pocket than he did his first couple of years. It's just when the games are real, what, what's that going to look like? Oh, and that's the thing. You have so much inexperience at tight end and wide receiver, it's probably going to break down more than it is for other teams because these guys might be running wrong routes, missing blocking assignments, whatever. And that's where I want to go next is those rookie tight ends. Uh, we've heard about Musgrave being fast and all of that stuff. Um, these two rookie tight ends, what do you think to this point? Is is blocking going to be a major problem? I and mean, we're early on, obviously. We're not far enough in to find this out. But is that the kind of the biggest question mark right now is, are they going to be able to block well enough to be on the field and not be a liability? Yeah, I think they're very different. Uh, and they, they both physically look impressive. They're both huge guys that can move. Luke Musgrave is much, he, he's, he's a rare breed. And Matt LaFleur said it multiple times. The guy can run. And for his size, very few tight ends are that big that can move the way Luke Musgrave does. So the receiving part of the game is probably going to come before the, the blocking part for him. His hands have been inconsistent in camp. That's the one question when it comes to Luke Musgrave, the receiver. But if, if he catches the ball consistently, he's going to make plays because the, the way his fluidity is just, it's noticeable. It jumps off the practice field. Tucker Kraft is is more of that prototypical blocking tight end. I mean, he, he's thicker than Luke Musgrave, not quite as tall, but and he moves pretty well. And in college, again, it was South Dakota State, but in college, a lot of his plays came from Yak. I mean, he, he can make plays with, with the ball in his hand, but he he's kind of always been that blocker first. And it doesn't mean you know, he told me early in camp that he didn't really know how to combo block until he got here. I mean, the the, the level at the NFL compared to college football and especially compared to FCS, right? It, it's, it's entirely different. So just cause you're naturally been a, a blocking tight end and, and, and that's been a part of your game that's come easily for you in the past. doesn't mean you don't have a lot to learn when you get to this level, but I, I think those are two different guys. I mean, I, th- I think Luke Musgrave is going to be your, your move tight end and Tucker Kraft's going to be much more of your classic inline guy. You can maybe flex him out. This is going to be Chamura and Keith Jackson. If we go old school, I mean, that type of deal, right, where one is more of the receiver, the other one is more of a blocker. Chimer obviously could receive as well. I'm not saying he couldn't, but Jackson wasn't the best of blockers necessarily at the end of the day. He was more of that receiving tight end. So this could be a deal where in the next two, three years, you may see a lot of multiple tight end formations and being able to run a lot of different stuff out of that formation. Let's keep in mind two things as well. One, Luke Musgrave is tight end one. I mean, he came in sure. and was taking first string reps immediately. They're rotating not just Luke Musgrave and Tucker Kraft, but they're also rotating Josiah DeGuar and Tyler Davis as tight ends with the first string. But Luke Musgrave already, he has QB or, uh, tight end one written on his helmet. I mean, that's that's the reps he's getting. Tucker Kraft's fluctuating between first team, second team. He's a little bit behind, and that's not exactly a surprise, not only because right. FC is according, compared to Pac-12, but, but also second round compared to third round. I mean, it's going to take a little bit more time. But let's keep in mind this, too. What do we say about Matt LaFleur and, and watching all the offenses around the league? The, the offense that his purest playbook most closely resembles is Kyle Shanahan's in San Francisco. And there's nobody in the NFL from an offensive side that is more multiple than Kyle Shanahan. Uh, he loves not just tight ends, but Yushef in the backfield as a fullback, lead blocker. He loves going multiple and, and getting away from more than any other coach in the league 
from that 11 personnel with three receivers. And so I think you might see a lot of multiple tight end personnel this season with Jordan Love. Big question is how quickly as rookies do Luke Musgrave and Tucker Craft get it and how, how quickly do they assimilate and acclimate to this level? Have you seen any progression from Watson and Dobbs, a wide receiver? I think just the fact that Christian Watson's healthy. I mean, a year ago, he missed over half of camp coming yeah. in after that offseason knee procedure that he had. And Matt LaFleur said, in, you know, in hindsight, that, that had a big part to do with, with Christian Watson's slow progression onto the field as a rookie. And there's a reason why it took until week 10 to blow up and, and become Christian Watson. He, he, he didn't get a lot of offseason time and, uh, as a rookie going into his first camp, missed a lot of camp practices. The fact that he's on the field now is a very good thing. The fact that he's staying healthy, that, that can't help but benefit you. I think, you know, with Romeo Dobbs, it's very interesting. I wrote a story uh, going into camp on, on Jordan Love and p- part of that story. Great story. Romeo, Great piece. Go read it. Ro- Romeo Dobbs has been working with Steve Calhoun, who is Jordan Love's longtime personal coach. Steve Calhoun's been working with Jordan Love since Jordan Love was 14 years old. That dude's Romeo what, Dobbs, armed and dangerous on Twitter, I think it's his Twitter handle yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're very close. And he's worked with other NFL quarterbacks and receivers as well. He, he's so renowned that Aaron Jones badly – take it, nothing away from Jordan Love. Aaron Jones badly wanted to work with Steve Calhoun to develop his route tree, not as a running back, but, but become more of like a, a pure receiving type uh, target out, out of the backfield and, and expand his route tree. He wanted to work with Steve Calhoun. Romeo Dobbs has been working with Steve Calhoun since going into his senior year at Nevada. So he's been around Jordan Love a lot, not just in Green Bay, but in Southern California. Romeo Dobbs just happened to get drafted to the team that Jordan Love is now the starting quarterback for. So the the rapport between those two goes back years, and it extends past Green Bay. That's going to be very helpful for both of them. What about that jet sweep? I got visions of that coming back with Jaden Reed now, it looks like. They have so many options. I think this is going to help Christian Watson. I asked Matt LaFleur about this. And it's not that you know Christian Watson will never be in the slot, but they have so many. They're flush with slot options now in this offense. From Jaden Reed, Romeo Dobbs can be in the slot. He's pretty natural there. Samari Torre can play anywhere, including the slot. They have so many more slot options than they've had in a long time in this offense. It, it's different seeing a Jaden Reed take a jet sweep compared to Alan Lazard. There's a lot of For things sure. that Alan Lazard did yeah. very well, but he wasn't your prototypical jet sweep no. ball carrier. That, it, just, it just always seemed a bit odd, and right. Jaden Reed is built for that. So, I, I you know, where, where that helps Christian Watson, let's not forget week 10 when he blew up against Dallas that morning. He woke up and sent his college position coach a text saying, this is going to be the day. And the reason for that is because he was playing the X position. Christian Watson feels most comfortable on the perimeter where his size, his speed is dangerous on the perimeter of the field. Not to say he's never going to be in the slot, but they don't need him to be in the slot that much. they got so many slot options that you can just put Christian Watson on the perimeter of the field, let him be your X, let let him be your, your deep target, do what he's very natural doing. And that, that's going to help both what, what your, your big play dynamic ability on the outside and then having more dynamic ability in slot as well. Got two more questions. I know you got to get going here. Uh, first, let's go. I want both are on the defensive side of the ball. Your thoughts on Kenny Clark moving away from nose uh, so Slayton can play the nose going forward here. I was looking at his contract during the last podcast with Bart Winkler, and 
they're stuck. I mean, like he's going to be their guy this year and he's going to be their guy next year. And his salary cap number goes way up next year to over $20 million uh, next year. But if I'm paying somebody, you know, 24, 25 million, whatever that cap number is, you better get double digit sacks. And I, I just don't know if putting him out there at that power end is, is going to get that accomplished. I guess we'll find out. Yeah, it depends. Yeah, I, I think that three tech could be a really good position for Kenny Clark because you get a, it's easier to dictate matchups out there. You, you're in more space when you're lined up over the guard than when you're in the, at the nose position. TJ Slayton is a natural nose. He doesn't maybe give you a lot of uh, pass rusher, but he is the prototypical run defender that will just he'll get the push. The yeah. yeah. He'll, he'll, he'll get that push from the interior. Good run defender. Kenny Clark at the three tech that that's better from a matchup standpoint. He's, he's in more space. The, the further you get away from the football, the more space you have to operate and the more that Kenny Clark's athleticism can take over. So, you know, he, he hasn't complained about it. And I think there's a reason for that. I, I think he's looking forward to, to being able to diversify what he does. It doesn't mean that Kenny Clark will never be the, the nose tackle. And, and let's not forget what, what are the Packers like every other defense in the NFL predominantly run nickel. And when you're yep. nickel, you're, you're basically at a three tech anyway, and you got two down linemen on the field and you're, 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 so that, that part of the game, the sub package game, that's not going to change a lot. It's just when they're in base, but yeah, I, you know, Kenny, Kenny Clark, we've been waiting for him to have one of those dynamic years. I mean, he has spurts where he is just unblockable for a month and then it's, it's more pedestrian. We've been waiting for him to put that all together. This very well could be the year. Last question. Do we have any, are we any closer to what we think the safety position is going to look like on this team? Or is that still wide open? I think there's a longer way to go at safety than even right tackle. And I'm not saying that Zach Tom has solidified himself as a starting right tackle, but if you look at the reps, he's clearly the leader right now. It, it very much looks like they're, they're treating Yash Nyman as the potential swing tackle unless Zach Tom struggles at right tackle, in which case they'll adapt. I think they have more clarity there than they do at safety. I mean, it's going to be Darnell Savage and somebody, whether that's Rudy Ford, Jonathan Owens, Tarverius Moore, it is very, very up in the air right now. And you know, a week into camp, that's it's not alarming. There's a long way to go. Right. But I think you're going to see that race go throughout most of camp. That's awesome. He is Ryan Wood. Family night, of course, coming up on Saturday night. We'll get to see a scrimmage on Saturday night as well. Looking forward to all that. Follow Ryan, of course, on Twitter at ByRyanWood. He has that Jordan Love article pinned on his Twitter account, by the way. If you didn't read it, you still have plenty of time to go read it. It was very, very well done. I put together, as always, by the award-winning Ryan Wood. Ryan, thank you so much, my friend. Have a good weekend. All right. Take care, Sparky. Enjoy those Christmas trees. (laughs) You know I will. 